I'm Kim Grinnells of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. It is Friday morning and time to do a podcast. And doing a podcast on a day like today, by the time we're done, there could be breaking news in the middle of the podcast. Things could change by the time you listen to this. But uh, we're doing this on Friday morning. Kalen DeBoer announced last week as the new coach at University of Washington. We've got some staff that has been named, still some uh, spots to fill out, some official visits this weekend, some Guys entering the transfer portal, a basketball game being canceled, and we're running a big promo. But other than that, not a lot going on. But, uh, you know what? We've had about a week now since Kalen DeBoer got, uh, got announced as the head coach at University of Washington. I think all the reviews that have come in have been pretty positive. But, uh, Scott, it looks like they've hit the ground running. Yeah. I mean, they, they have the, him bringing in Courtney Morgan from, uh, Michigan definitely helped because Courtney Morgan had a group of guys that he was already recruiting and, and talking to. And, and so my guess is they're going a lot off of the list that he had. He's also going off of some of the lists that he had at Fresno State. Washington has made some offers out to some 2022 kids. And, you know, I, I mean, I don't even have all the names right now. I've been, haven't been able to keep track of all of them, but, uh, currently, I mean, the focus right now, is wrapping things up for the early signing period, which starts on the, on, on Wednesday, the 15th and, uh, the official visits this weekend. That's where they're really turned their focus. Scott, people, uh, not everybody knows who Courtney Morgan is. Uh, tell people a little bit about Courtney Morgan, where he's come from and what his role will be at University of Washington. Well, he's, the, he was the director of player personnel, I believe, at Michigan. And I think he's going to do the same thing here. Um, and he, he's a guy who worked with DeBoer at Fresno State because he was at Fresno State before he went to Michigan for one year. That's his alma mater, by the way, Michigan. And then he, uh, and then his relationship with Coach DeBoer and his reputation as being one of the better recruiters in the country. Um, DeBoer wanted to get him on his staff and, and they paid a pretty penny for him, him probably and, and got him back over here. And he's going to be a huge asset to the University of Washington because my guess is he'll be running point on a lot of these, uh, top guys, not only in this class, but in the classes, uh, heading, heading down the road here. Originally a Los Angeles guy. Yes. No. Yes. Yes. I, I, I don't remember all of it. So yeah. 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 From my understanding, he's originally from Los Angeles, really well connected in the Southern Cal area, um, was working for Kalen DeBoer, then went to Michigan where he played football. And the word is he was making over 200 grand a year working at uh, Michigan and they enticed him to come back here. So Chris, I, I think they're probably paying him a little bit more than 200 grand here. Yeah. They're paying him more. And then also I think the idea that. Not only is he coming back out west, but he's getting an opportunity to really create his own player personnel department from the ground up. And from what we understand, Justin Glenn, the old director of recruiting under Jimmy Lake, is also going to stay on the staff. They're going to hire more staff. He's going to get a lot of resources in order to kind of create this thing in his image and the way he wants to do it. So I think that idea of kind of basically having carte blanche to do what he needs to do to get this thing rolling uh and and then also his relationship with DeBoer obviously played big parts in um Courtney Morgan coming to Washington and he immediately you know he went out to go see Tracy Ford at Ford Sports um you know it, it you know he has he has a a big wealth in terms of just the 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 spread and understanding you know the 7 on 7 guys the trainers and everything like that that goes on as well because recruiting is around the clock business as we know and um he's already hit the ground running 
Hey, Chris, what's really kind of unique is where you take a look at what's going on at Washington right now in their recruiting office where, you know, they hire in a guy they're going to pay over 200 grand a year. He's going to set up a whole new recruiting department with all the systems in place. He's going to hire more people. When we first started doing this, it was Coach Heater was the uh, recruiting coordinator and shout out to Claudine Lowe. Claudine Lowe was in the recruiting office and that was it. It's a little different now. Yeah, basically it was whoever the recruiting coordinator was on the coaching staff. In this case, back in the day, and you're talking about under Rick Neuheisel, it was Chuck Eater. And then Chuck had his assistant, and that was it. I mean, she was the one in charge. Claudine was the one in charge of handling the visits, making sure everyone got picked up, making sure they, you know, the hotels were set up, all that, all the stuff that goes into an official visit. They had one person doing all that stuff. And, you know, and, and, you know, depending on the size of the class, now, obviously, we're not expecting this class to be as big as, as classes down the road. But, you know, even back then, you know, if there were no restrictions, you could try to sign upwards of 30 guys. And so the, the work that was involved with that kind of stuff, um, yeah, shout out to, to Claudine. She, she really put the work in back in the day to, to make all that stuff happen. Hey, Chris, you want to know something pretty crazy, though? Sure. She's still, she's still a subscriber. So Claudine, if you're listening, shout out to Claudine Lowe. She was amazing while she was here. But, um, also Chris, I had a little bit of a discussion with Scott yesterday about guys like Courtney Morgan, uh, guys like Marshall Charrington down at USC and how important these guys behind the scenes running recruiting are becoming and how much more important they could become more so than even the coaches. Um, you know, out on the recruiting trail that those guys in the recruiting office, like a Courtney Morgan, can be the main point of contact and maybe be more influential than the coaches on recruiting at some point. It seems we may be heading that way a little bit. Well, I'll agree to disagree on that. Are they going to be invaluable? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, they, they bridge a gap where the assistant coaches can't necessarily fill it because they're either busy during the season or they've got other responsibilities, but I will still contend and I will always contend that the relationship that a recruit builds with their, with the position coach yeah. is always going to be the most important thing. And what I, mean by the, most important what I mean by that, instead of the one coach doing a hundred percent of the communication with a recruit, you know, they're going to have maybe 50 to 60% of the contact where the other guys may have more and that could grow over a period of time where you're going to, you're going to be hiring experienced recruiters in the recruiting offices because recruiting and coaching. And I think Chris Strasser was a perfect example of that. You know, Chris was a great position coach. Not the best recruiter out there, but a great position coach because it's two different skill sets where I think you might see guys with that skill set being able to recruit that may not necessarily be coaches being hired in a recruiting office. And I'm sensing we may be moving towards that trend over the next couple of years. That's what I'm getting at. Well, and I, and yeah, I, I think there's certainly going to be an aspect of that. And I think you even, you know, when you go back, we were talking about Rick Neuhausel's staff with Chuck Heater and those guys. You know, being an evaluator of talent the way Chris Strasser was, for instance, that is so valuable yep. because with, with New Heisel back in the day, he would have taken a guy like Strasser and said, look, you tell me the guys that you want me to close on because I'm going to close them, but you make sure that your evaluations are spot on. And I get the sense there's, there's a lot of guys that are going to be on Washington staff that are going to be looking at guys like Courtney Morgan and Justin Glenn to help them with the evaluations. Cause the one thing that Morgan does have 
in terms of his reputation in the recruiting world is that apparently he's a phenomenal evaluator of talent. Like he can just pick them out. So that, that is going to be a valuable asset to the assistant coaches as they go down the road because he's going to not only, you know, because a lot of times it's just the assistants that are going to be responsible for evaluating the guys. And then the recruiting guys are supposed to help them kind of fill in the blanks. Well, if Morgan is going to be an active part in this evaluations process, that's an even bigger tool that they can use to really help them scout out the top guys and then also land them. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. And just either one of you just, um, just feel free to chime in, but you know, we've got some coaches that have been added to the staff this week. Um, Juice Brown got announced. Do you know much about Juice Scott? No, I mean, just that he had been a coach down there for a little bit and, and he'd produced a couple NFL guys and guys who are currently playing in the NFL, but, uh, you know, and I, I, he's got a reputation of being a really good recruiter. So that's about it. With him being hired, does that put Dante Williams? Out, um, well, out of the equation. I, I'm. I don't think it completely puts him out of that equation because uh, word is that uh, Coach Morrell, uh, the other DBs coach down there, I think uh, um, Coach Brown is going to be with the corners, and Coach Morrell will be with the safeties. But um, you know, I I think we just need to kind of wait and see how that all kind of plays out because if it's Orlando Stein, Steinauer is the new DC, which we've heard some rumors both ways that he could be it and not be it. Uh, but if he becomes a DC, that, that is now three guys that have, that are DB guys. So I don't know if Dante Williams would have a spot unless he's willing to coach a different part of the, the team. But, um, if it's not Steinauer, maybe, um, there is a spot for Dante Williams. We'll have to wait and see. Chris, you've been all over the assistant coaches more so than anything. You're really well connected on this and, uh, you know, tell us, uh, you know, just give us a general update just on things that you've been hearing where you think things are heading because nobody's been on it like you. Well, just to give people an idea about Julius Brown, Juice Brown, you know, he was a kid that played actually at, um, Boise State. So there's another Boise State connection. He played from 2000 to 2003 and he was also, the defensive backs and recruiting coordinator, if I remember correctly, under Brian Harson, uh, when Harson was there right after um, Chris Peterson left. So there's going to be a connection there. Um, the other thing, too, that people need to remember is that when Juice Brown was at Fresno State the last couple seasons, he was also the recruiting coordinator. So with Courtney Morgan, he's got a relationship there. He's got a history. So don't be surprised if there's a lot of coordination there. You know, for instance, when I talked about um, Courtney Morgan going to Ford Sports and talking to Tracy Ford, I believe Juice Brown was with him. I may be wrong about that, but um, but either way, there's going to be a big connection between Courtney Morgan and Julius Brown. Um, the other uh, coach that we know that's been um, hired, and this he was actually the very, very first guy, is a guy um, by the name of Ryan Grubb. And Ryan Grubb is actually going to be not only the – um, the offensive coordinator under Kalen DeBoer, which is what he was the last couple seasons, but he was also, he's also going to be the quarterbacks coach. And this is a guy who's actually coached quarterbacks. So Washington is going to have a quarterback coach on this. This is a good thing. This is a, he was, he was the quarterbacks coach for Ryan Hayter for Jay Hayter. And, um, he was also a quarterbacks coach, uh, at Sioux Falls when DeBoer, um, was there. So, 
there's a long-standing connection between Ryan Grubb and Kalen DeBoer. He's also a really well-known offensive line coach, which could certainly play into how DeBoer wants to go about his search for an offensive line coach. Could we see Washington retain Scott Huff and have him be under kind of the, the guidance of a guy like Ryan Grubb, who's well-known as an offensive line coach? We'll see. I know that that thought, will absolutely drive a certain segment of the Washington fan base absolutely up a wall, and I don't blame you because of the way the offensive line played last year. But I think this goes to the bigger picture, Kim, and you can speak to this as well because I know you have some thoughts on it. That, um, you know, I think DeBoer's got a tough task in determining whether there are pieces of this previous staff at Washington that could actually fit and be good fits because of the overall performance and how poorly things went for Washington last year. Do you, you know, cause these guys all of a sudden don't become bad coaches. No, but something mm. happened. And was this, do we put this all on Jimmy Lake? Was it something that was so infectious that it just, uh, seeped into all aspects of the program and just really turned things that sour? And yet with an infusion of things that are going on, culture shift, all the stuff that DeBoer brings, does a guy like Scott Huff get re-energized? Does he get rejuvenated? Does he get put in a position where he can succeed and get the offensive line moving in the direction that they need to go? Yeah, I just think that last year, you know, Jimmy Lake decided he was going to be the square and the rest of the team was going to be the round hole. And damn it, I'm going to put this square peg into that round hole. And if it doesn't fit, hit it again, hit it again, hit it again. It's going to fit. Damn it. It's going to fit. It's going to work. And it just seemed like the scheme that they wanted to run. They just did it. You know, doesn't matter. Just keep on doing it. And half the time, the offensive linemen were looking around like, I don't even know who to block. And they didn't make any changes. And I'm not sure how much of that you can really pin on John, on uh, Scott Huff. You know, asking him to run a, a totally different scheme that just obviously doesn't work. I'm not sure that you can blame Jackson Kirkland or Luke Wattenberg for the lousy scheme. The same on the defensive end. You know, Jimmy wanting to run you know, the same schemes over and over again that just continued not to work. So, you know, I'm hesitating to judge any coach or any um, player based upon the scheme that they had to run. And I've said this more than once. It was like you had a room full of Corvettes and you just say, hey, we're going to go to a truck pull this week. It just doesn't work very well. And, you know, Scott Huff, when he was at Boise State, was the offensive line coach. They brought in Chris Strasser as the offensive line coach and moved Scott over to tight ends. And that may be something that could work as well because I think, you know, that there were some people not real happy with the way the offensive line performed the last couple of years. But he seemed to recruit pretty well up until this year where it just seemed like Jimmy Lake took the recruiting process that was in place the year before and just kind of ignored it. So, um, yeah, Miami- I was, Kim, I was also going to say too, this is not, it's not like DeBoer isn't adverse to looking within the, the current staff and seeing some things that could work for him. They clearly are going to retain Junior Adams. Yeah, Junior Adams was, was yeah. with Courtney Morgan when they went to Ford Sports. That he's, he's continuing to recruit. Jeremy Bernard is, is tied in. He's going to sign on Wednesday. He's going to hopefully enroll early at Washington. This is a guy that basically said, I'm open, but I'm not open as long as Junior Adams stays at Washington. If he stays there, I'm in. So it looks really good 
that Junior Adams is obviously staying and he's doing the recruiting for Washington right now, helping out. So DeBoer could, could continue to dip in the well. Could he go for Scott Huff? Akaika Malloy is a guy that obviously we've been talking about. Could he find a, a place for Akaika? Cause you know, at this point, it, it, you know, not exactly sure which way he's going to go on, on the DC. Um, we think Orlando Steinauer is, is a guy that's in pole position, but he's coach, he's the head coach of Hamilton right now. And they're playing in the, in the Grey Cup, which is basically the Canadian Football League Super Bowl. They're playing that on Sunday. And then, you know, based on reports coming out of Canada and, and for instance, if you guys want to follow, follow a guy who knows his stuff inside and out, Farhan Lalji at TSN is the guy. He's on the scene. He's, he's talking to Orlando Steinauer directly. And, you know, basically he's saying that there's some smoke to this. And he thinks this could really heat up once the Grey Cup is over. And I also think that once the Grey Cup is over, not only will the D.C. stuff start to get figured out, but then you'll start to see more of those defensive roles um, get sorted out at Washington. Hey, Scott, we've got recruiting things going on, but we've also got – I don't even know what to call it anymore. Second season in recruiting. Transfer portal stuff. Washington loses free a guy agency. in the- Free agency. Just call it that. Free agency. Uh, Cooper McDonald enters the transfer portal and that one kind of came out of the blue. Jay Kaner enters the transfer portal telling everybody he's going to Washington and then he kind of figures out that, uh, he's not going to be able to be here until the summer and then Fresno State hires Jeff Tedford and he goes, I'm going to stay at Fresno State. Yeah. Just your take on the Jay Kaner deal. My my take was, and when I talked to him, I didn't get the sense that I, – I got the sense that Washington was where he wanted to go, but I thought it was a bad move on his part until he really investigated the process to enter the transfer portal and, and all that kind of stuff. I think because he, he's needlessly made some quote-unquote enemies down in Fresno. I mean think about what the locker room was probably like for – Jacob Sermon when he went in and then went back out or, you know, uh, went into the portal and then went back out of the portal and back and came back from everything I heard it alienated a lot of his teammates. They're just like, why are you here? You don't want to be here. So, and it, you know, I mean, he's got one season left. He's, he's worked with a lot of these guys. My guess is it's not that big of a deal, but I, I just thought it needlessly caused some drama for him that he didn't really need. Um, and, and then, you know, you've got people out on the, out on Twitter who are trying to make names for themselves saying that, that Jake Hayner is, is, is already enrolled at Washington or he's, he's set to join Washington in January. And I called the kid directly. I'm the only person in Washington media who talked to the kid directly. And the kid said, no, I am not enrolled anywhere. I have not committed anywhere. I'm still talking to a bunch of schools. And so, you know, I mean, look. Twitter is is good for very specific things, but when it comes to sources, quote unquote, you really need to figure out who you're who you should be following and who you should be. I mean, when John Wilner says sources, take it to the bank. When Christian Cable says it, take it to the bank. Mike Mike Varell, another one, take it to the bank. What when about we Chris Fetters? Yeah, Chris but Fetters? when anyone on our site does it, we don't we don't just go out and say this is what we're hearing. If we do something like that, it's always on our message boards. Yeah, and we don't we don't need we to don't, share stuff on Twitter. No, it's no, our it's stupid. Boards. Yeah, and the reason why people do that is to get their name out there, and then they look like fools, and they make the kids look bad. 
called so, clout chasing, right? Yeah, I mean, it's just it is what it is. There's nothing you can do about it. But I, I just I would really caution people when someone has 1,500 followers, take that with a grain of salt until you actually see somebody that's got more of a reputation of you know it, it is what it is. Anyway, um, so for Jake Hayner, I, big mistake on his part, in my opinion, coming out just announcing it so early and stuff. He should have really had people investigating the process behind the scenes. But, I mean, he's 21. Do you think he really knows – or 22. Do you think he really knows what he's doing at this point? I don't think so. So well, it is what it is. Cooper McDonald surprised me hey, a real little quick, bit. Real quick before you move on to Cooper McDonald, let me just tell you what I'd heard from my sources on Hayner, that he'd been telling people, UW and Coach DeBoer, that he was coming to Washington. He told the Fresno State administration he was coming to Washington. I know he told you he was looking at a lot of schools, but from my understanding and my connections, he was telling everybody he was coming to Washington. And then a couple of things happened. I think the first thing that happened was that he found out that you only can use the transfer portal once. You can use it as a grad transfer, but you could only use the transfer portal once. So in order for him to be at Washington, he was going to have to graduate from Fresno State, and there was some issues with some classes on whether they would accept those at Washington as a grad transfer. So the earliest that he would be able to be here would be the summer. He wouldn't be able to enroll for spring ball, winter quarter, or spring quarter. So uh, that was the first thing that happened. And the second thing that happened was Jeff Tedford got hired back to Fresno State. And uh, Hainer had a real special relationship with um, uh, with Jeff Tedford, and he was the coach that was there when Hainer left Washington. Well, and with those two things, that just led to him going back to Fresno. Well, State. yeah, but Kim, I don't disagree with you that he was telling everybody he was doing that. That doesn't mean it was going to happen. And so the the people shouldn't have reported it that it was happening until it actually was announced that it was happening. And Jake Hayner should have done a lot more investigating before he started telling everyone in the world that he was coming. And, and because I knew, you know, I knew he wasn't going to make it. I thought it would be hairy for him to make it even in for spring ball and not to get here. Like you said, Kim, until the summer, that just gives him the summer to work out with his teammates. Now, a lot of those guys are guys that he's probably practiced with before. Yeah, but Scott, let's be honest. When you say it would be a little bit hairy for him, that's the lane Jay Kaner lives in. Yeah, know, <laughs> it really is. It is. But, but I knew that he probably wasn't even going to make it in for spring ball because of the way transfers work at the University of Washington. And that's something that people need to take into consideration when it sounds like Washington's getting involved with a, with a transfer guy. Great. I'm sure they are. I'm sure they're talking to him. Don't get too excited because the way Washington's transfers work, hey, uh, uh, Jacob Eason had to struggle to get in. He had to take some extra classes in order to do that. What kids are going to be willing to do that? You're, those are the ones you're really going to find out who are going to want to do it. But back to Cooper McDonald, I'm just surprised he decided to leave because Washington was going to move him back inside most likely. Um, and he and that's where he wanted to play when he came out of high school. So I was a little surprised to see him opt to do it. Maybe he just wanted to be closer to home. Maybe maybe his uh, maybe he just thought that a, a change of scenery would be better. Maybe he wants to go to North Texas. That was the one that he really really liked coming out of high school. If it wasn't Washington and and uh, but he had Colorado, he had Baylor, he had a bunch of schools. So I think he's going to have some options, but he might not be an edge guy. He might be better a uh, better fit inside. And Chris, uh, there's going to be more kids from Washington entering the transfer portal. That's just the way it works. Yes. No. There there is. We've heard names out there. Haven't obviously seen anything. 
um, official being made or, or, you know, with the social media, they, they get to determine the time and place that they put that information out there. Um, like we just saw this morning, you know, uh, Clay Millen, uh, putting his name in the portal and announcing that information. Um, you know, that, that's just, a, that's just, they get to do that and that's perfect. I, I have no problems with that whatsoever, but you're right. The, the numbers will change. Um, I think Scott, you were, you were posting something to the effect that, uh, you know, we've always been kind of operating with the, with the number for 2022 recruits being at around 15 and that might jump because there have been a couple of names out there that maybe we didn't expect would go into the portal have jumped in. And, and Cooper McDonald to me is one of those guys. Yeah. Um, just kind of, Definitely. that was, that was not an, I mean, we hear a lot of things and a lot of them come true and a lot of them don't, but Cooper McDonald's not a name that, I mean, that never surfaced. That just I've never came heard out. anybody saying about that. No, Mm-mm. no. So uh great kid. I wish him luck, you know, and uh like I said, he's a good, good kid. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, um, recruiting, <laughs> there's guys that uh, have decommitted to Washington, some official visits, some new names coming on, on board. And, uh, it's an interesting time because signing day is just not that far away. That and more when we return. It's the guys from Dogman.com on Dogman Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back. It's the guys from dogman.com. I'm Kim Grenells along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eckland. And before we get into the recruiting stuff, just a reminder, we're running a promo right now for those of you who are not subscribers, uh, 50% off uh, your annual subscription. And if you've been a long time monthly subscriber to dogman.com, you can go ahead and upgrade for 50% off to that yearly subscription and would highly recommend that. And for those who don't subscribe to dogman.com and they're just getting information off of Twitter and getting it here, or getting it there, the information is on the message boards, you know, go to the message boards and go to the forums and go to the hardcore football, hardcore basketball, hardcore recruiting. Cause I can promise you everything that's been going on. We've been well ahead of the curves and you're not seeing us posted on Twitter. Post the good stuff on the message boards. We don't post the stories until it's done, but this, before it happens, we're pretty much on everything on the message board. So that's where to get it. But we're, pre- uh, we're prepping you guys, man. Yeah. 50% off and, you know, prepping guys and, um, couple of decommits this week, Scott with, um, Jackson Strat. Um, yes. That was right. <laughs> on the quarterback Stratton and, um, Curtis Bogan's son, Chase Bogan or Chance Bogan. Um, decommitting from Washington. Either one of those surprise you? No, no, they didn't. Um, I knew that Chance Bogan was hanging on by a thread. Um, you know, as I mentioned in today's blog, there was the, the old staff had kind of cooled on him quite a bit. And it, it the only reason he, they stuck with him was because he was a Husky legacy and because he was a local kid from a very important school that they need to recruit really well and at, down in uh, Tacoma with Lincoln High School. So um, he just – he wasn't dynamic. He didn't flash on tape. He he really struggled blocking. He, he, he had good hands and he was a good athlete, but he's a, he's more of a big receiver than a small tight end. I mean he just doesn't – 
he doesn't show the toughness that you're really looking for. And, and just, just, I, I think the old staff was, was trying to figure out how can we cut this kid loose and not have egg all over our faces. Well, Kalen DeBoer didn't have the egg on his face because he never made that offer to the kid. And I, I know it's a tough conversation. I, I mean, I'm real interested to see what, what was said to the kid and everything like that. And, but sometimes you just got to be a man and say, Hey, look, instead, instead of you signing with us and never playing, I think what you should do is go out and find yourself a place that, that will, that will take you and that will incorporate you into their offense. You're just not going to be a fit here. And they give the kid the chance to save some face and, and go out and say he's decommitting and opening up his recruitment. And, um, yeah, I, I, and they're giving him almost two full months to go find a new place to play. So that's definitely a positive. As far as Jackson Stratton, I just think him being injured for most of his sophomore year and then, um, and then most of his senior year really hurt his chances to be recruited. He had Yale and Washington. Washington was his best offer, obviously from a football standpoint. And they decided to offer him and bring him in. And I think he would have been a pretty good fit in what John Donovan was trying to do. But, um, yeah, just not what, what, uh, Kalen DeBoer is looking for. And, and so I think there's a chance Jackson could wind up going Juco and maybe getting another year under his belt before he, he makes a decision on where he wants to go and maybe get a offer from a, from a little bit bigger school than Yale. I mean, Yale, he can't go wrong with the uh, education there, but, uh, Football, I think he th- sees himself playing at a little higher level. Also, real quick, guys, um, just a little more context on Bogan. Washington State, as of Friday morning, Washington State just offered him. So that'll give you some idea that if Washington State feels like they he can he's a good fit in their offense, which is basically just like a USC version of of the air raid, a little bit more running, but they clearly could use him as a bigger, I don't know, a bigger receiver maybe. Um, then that'll tell you that maybe he's not quite what Washington would be looking for in, in the offense that DeBoer would want to run. Yeah, you know, and Chris, we've seen this happen with – we're on our ninth head coach, if you're including Bob Gregory. We've seen this before, Chris. Seen what before? Guys, Just, guys you know, come and you know, go? New coaches guys coming in. Guys offers pulled. Yeah. Oh, sure. I mean, no, it happened under Sark for sure. I mean, I know Sammy Long was probably the one that, that people will remember – the yeah. receiver from Lakes. Well, um, well, Sark did that. He was the one who offered him, though. Right. <laughs> that was the uh-huh. thing. But the kid who was committed from West Seattle, the linebacker who ended up at Idaho, um, he oh, was committed. To, yeah, he was committed to uh, Tyrone Willingham, got let, and then he gets let go, and, and Sark came in and dropped his offer. So. Well, what's, in, what's interesting is when Sark got here, you know, Keith Price was a guy he didn't like at all, but, you know, that's all he had, you know, you know, at the time. But, uh, you know, Sark was, uh, at USC when Keith Price was being recruited, but, uh, that seemed to turn out okay. But, um, this is, uh, some new offers going out, Scott, and, uh, some new names on the board. Yeah. The newest one that's kind of the serious one at this point, there will be a couple more, I think, before the weekend's done, but, um, the biggest name is Darian Lewis, linebacker out of St. Francis High School out in Baltimore. When was the last time Washington got a kid out of Maryland? Was it, uh, um, was it Don was Jones? Zeke. And no, was it Zeke? Zeke. Well, yeah. Zeke. No, Zeke well, he was from there, but he was playing Juco at LA Pierce. Right. So but I mean, but he's I, from I'm talking about from a Maryland. kid actually, but I'm talking about a kid actually playing football in Maryland right oh, now. I don't, I couldn't tell you. It would probably be Don Jones and Ed Cunningham, right? Well, that's Virginia. 
Oh, that's Virginia. Yeah. See, I mean, I don't even remember the last time they had a Maryland kid. So, um, yeah, they, I mean, like a high school Maryland kid, but yeah, yeah. Zeke yeah. Turner, uh, Maryland. Obviously a Courtney Morgan recruit. Yeah, that was definitely a guy that Courtney Morgan knew about. And he has offers from, I was looking at a lot of ACC schools and, and some other ones, but someone uh, actually put in, and it might have been Brian Doan. I didn't see who put it in, but somebody put in a crystal ball for Washington. I think it was so, Brian. Yeah. The other, and, thing, the other thing, guys, I would, I would really, you know, want to, um, impress upon recruiting people, Washington fans that really follow recruiting heavily and are going to be really interested in seeing on who Washington signs on Wednesday. Watch the players that don't sign. That will give you yeah. a bigger clue. And I'm not talking about the players that don't sign with Washington because I think Scott, you, you, fans need to go to, to see Scott's blog that he put out today because he, he's already talked about a couple of players currently committed to Washington that he does not expect to sign until February. And I, and I wouldn't put that as a knock on those guys thinking that they're going to go somewhere else. I just think that that's probably just them trying to be prudent and making sure that they're, they've got yeah. the relationships they need with the, the coaches that are going to be coaching them. Like, you know, there's going to be guys out there that don't even know who their position coaches are going to be right now. That's going to be important to them. And that makes total sense. What my point is, look at the players that don't sign like right away for Oregon or USC, UCLA. Those are kids that are going to be open and available. And don't think for one second Washington isn't going to try to pounce on some of those kids if they are really good fits for what Washington's looking for now. Because you got to remember – the whole paradigm has shifted from what Jimmy Lake and those coaches would have wanted to now what Kalen DeBoer and his new staff are going to be looking for. Totally different ballgame. Who else is coming in this weekend, Scott? Any new names on board? Anybody else coming in? Nope, just Jer- Jeremy Bernard. And that. And the only reason he's visiting this weekend instead of in, in January with the other um, – committed guys is because he's going to show up on I think January 2nd or 3rd or whenever uh winter winter uh quarter starts he's coming in in January so and, yeah that's and it. Chris and Chris getting back to what you were talking about you know I think there's still some major changes to be made you know in the coaching circles not only on the assistant fronts for University of Washington but you know the Oregon job is still open and um you know there's been a ton of decommits from Oregon all those kids are back on the market and then rumors of um uh, Oregon hiring Chip Kelly, which would open USC, which is going to lead to another round of decommitments if it happens before Wednesday. So there's a lot of turmoil out there and still a lot of musical chairs to be had. Um, you know, gun to your head, who's Oregon hiring, Chris? Well, I, I thought that it was already a done deal that Chip Kelly was going to go back. <laughs> no, it's not. It's not it a done deal. doesn't sound like it. It sounds like it's leaning that way, but oh, it sure doesn't sound okay. like it's a done deal. Okay, well, maybe it was all the the cheering I heard from Westwood, thinking that it was already done. Well, what's interesting? Uh, I, th- I think that's the most interesting thing is that UCLA fans are more excited than Oregon. Uh huh. Yeah. No, they're ecstatic. Well, what's, what's interesting is the buyout date. He's got a nine million dollar buyout if he leaves. It would have to be paid to UCLA by the fifteenth of January. But if he the the buyout up until the fifteenth is nine million dollars. The sixteenth of January it goes to zero. So what did Oregon get um, uh, from Miami on Cristobal on their buyout? Do you remember? I think it's something similar. 
Yeah. I think, so, I think there's, they're, they're, they're in the same ballpark. You could almost literally just switch them over pretty close from what I yes. understand. So what's going on at Oregon? You know, Chip Kelly's in the mix. We've heard that, uh, Sataki from BYU has interviewed. We've heard that Justin Wilcox from Cal has interviewed. Also rumors about them going after an NFL guy, but Sky, you gotta think that this has gotta be wrapped up for them in the Jim, next couple of days. You forgot about Nick Saban that interviewed. You forgot about, oh, that's just the message boards. That's right. Urban Meyer. Uh, no, that's, yeah, is Urban, Urban Meyer. Meyer the guy? Yeah. I, heard oh. the, I also I mean, heard the, I also heard they interviewed Don James. Yeah. Yeah. And Rich Brooks. And yeah, I mean, just they've yeah. been all over the place. But they, guys, here's, been, here's the thing, guys. If, if Phil Knight, if, if what is being reported out there is true and Phil Knight's choice would be Chip Kelly, isn't it going to be Chip Kelly? Right. I mean, that, I mean, I'm not, trust me, I'm not trying to be flip. I'm not being sarcastic. I'm just saying if the guy who is your single biggest donor and it's not even close, he's the guy that's basically been giving that program the blank check for years, if not decades now, if he wants a certain coach, isn't that already kind of make it a, it, a if that's who he wants. yeah, if that's who he wants. And yeah, from every, he wants. and from everything we've heard, you know, from people, you know, reporting and just our sources that Phil Knight's tired of coaches using Oregon as a stepping stone job, like, uh, Willie Taggart, like Chip Kelly did, but you know, Kelly let it be known along the way that he was looking at NFL gigs like Mario Cristobal. They want somebody who's going to be there long term and, that would certainly fit the mold for Chip Kelly. Uh, his wife actually graduated from Oregon. It would certainly fit the mold for Justin Wilcox, although I don't think that's a real good fit because he'd want to change the entire culture there. But they're looking for somebody to stay there long term. But, you know, if Chip Kelly does go there, then that opens up. Is or I mean, Oregon's had a ton of decommits. And if they hire Chip Kelly, expect the same thing from UCLA. Yeah, it's a, it's an interesting dynamic because obviously guys like Nick Saban have made it work at, at a place in the SEC, for instance, where that's pretty common practice where you can recruit at that level and do that kind of stuff and still have a lot of staying power. But that's never proven to be able to happen out West because the latest guy that could do that was a guy like Pete Carroll. And as soon as it went south a little bit, he jumped. I mean, he bolted. And so it's, it's just an unproven formula. So if Oregon is trying to find a guy who can recruit at the level that Cristobal was currently recruiting and have the staying power of like a Justin Wilcox and just kind of roll it into one guy, good luck. I trust me, every coach or every school in America would want that guy. <laughs> that's that those are unicorns. That's why there's, that's why there's really only one out there right now and his name's Nick Saban and that's it. Yeah. Double Sweeney's going to Oregon, by the way. Yeah, well, everybody okay. is. Good Bob luck. Stoops and Ryan Day. Yeah. I mean, that's, <laughs> I hope, I, I really hope they do because, you know, this will be a really unpopular opinion for Washington fans, but they need to hire a big time guy because they need to continue to raise the profile of the conference. The Lincoln problem is. Apparently the SC was one of the best moves that this conference is, it's ever happened to this conference. The problem that's is, is the they profile. went to the big time coaching store and the shelves were empty. Hmm. Yeah, but yeah. the thing is, is that USC has never been short on talent. They're always going to get big time guys. That's never going to change. But if now, because I made it, I made a direct comparison to it because if you look at how the Pac 12, or well, it was the Pac 10 back then when Pete Carroll, when they were winning national championships at SC, you know, uh, you know, 15 years ago, that 
the pack, the, the conference at that time was, was really healthy. There was, they were still having other, other pack 10 teams at that time that were doing really, really well, whether it was a Washington state or Washington or an Oregon or an Arizona state or a Cal, you know, like when Tedford was there, for instance, those battles between SC and Cal were huge, you know, and, and so it was good to have a guy at the top that everyone else could aim for and really make a go of it. But ever since that that's kind of waned and gone off to the side and like, for instance, like when Chip Kelly left Oregon, for instance, and even when Chip Kelly yep. was at Oregon, there it wasn't like it felt like there was a huge kind of scramble at the top to be like the best team in the Pac-12. But now if you can get USC back, you know, humming along like USC should be, That'll raise UCLA's profile. That'll raise the profile of the Arizona schools. Yep. And that will raise the profile of the Northwest schools. And everything really, really hinges on how well USC does. And again, Washington fans may find that an unpopular opinion. Oregon fans may find that an unpopular opinion. But LA is the pulse of the Pac-12 and it always has been. Always. And I- and I know it drives people nuts that we talk about Oregon, and the reason we are is because because it's going to have an impact on Washington and their recruiting because of the amount of decommits that Oregon has had, and now those guys are back on the market, uh, you know, to be recruited. And if they hire Chip Kelly, you know, that opens up a whole another can of worms down at UCLA on guys that are going to decommit, and they're going to have to find another coach. And that's why we're talking about it. But um, moving on to basketball, the game against Gonzaga has been canceled. So. Um, just really a tough situation. I was talking to Mike Hopkins a little bit yesterday, and he kind of made the point that last year, zero guys vaccinated because it wasn't available. So they had zero vaccines a year a year ago, not one positive COVID test. This year, 100% vaccination, and the team's kind of ravaged with COVID, and it seems to have stemmed from their trip back to South Dakota. And Nevada got ravaged, too, it sounds like, but... You know, what's interesting is South Dakota is one of the least vaccinated states in the country. And like, uh, you know, people were telling me nobody back in South Dakota wears a mask. But Washington, 100 percent vaccinated, but they have positive tests. And, you know, from my understanding, everybody's asymptomatic. They're testing positive, but, you know, nobody's really feeling bad, which is what the vaccine is supposed to do. Um, when it comes to a decision about canceling the game, they haven't been able to practice since they've been back from South Dakota. So they haven't been able to practice for a couple of weeks. And then with the positive tests with everybody in protocol, if they were to go back and play the Gonzaga game, they would be incredibly shorthanded. They haven't been able to practice and it just doesn't make a lot of sense to play that game. I'm sure Gonzaga's not happy about that. I'm sure Gonzaga would like to reschedule that game because of the loss of revenue it creates for them. Just like UCLA, you know, UCLA canceling. Well, UCLA didn't reschedule the game and they're just taking it as a forfeit. You know, it's a road game for them. So there's no real money for them. So there's no real incentive for them to reschedule that game. And I think Washington's in the same situation right now where there's no incentive for them to reschedule that game because it just, it's not a money game. And just the way the season's going, it just doesn't seem to make any sense. So, uh, thoughts on this, Chris? Well, no, they would have every incentive to try to reschedule the UCLA game because of money. <laughs> it's I, you may be talking about the Gonzaga game, or, right, or, or maybe to, or maybe even the Arizona game. Washington would love to reschedule the UCLA game. Yes, absolutely. But Arizona you know, wants to reschedule the game. Yeah, and they did. It'll be played on the 25th of January. Um, I, I'm not sure "ravaged" would be the characterization I would make of it, 
But I would say, obviously, because of the contact tracing involved and the protocols, Washington is absolutely affected, as has as Nevada. You know, yeah. Nevada is the other team that really got affected big time by that holiday tournament in South Dakota. So I don't I don't think any holiday tournaments in South Dakota are in Washington's future anytime soon. No. Um, you know, and it's disappointing, too, because, you know, it's you could almost term it as a Pyrrhic victory for Washington winning two of those three games in South Dakota and really coming out of it probably feeling pretty good about themselves, even though they did lose um, badly to Nevada, they still had a really good tournament overall. And yet to have this happen to them and to have to forfeit the game against UCLA, to have to reschedule the game against Arizona, to have to cancel the game against Gonzaga. These are, these are bad things to happen to Mike Hopkins. And right now he needs everything to break right for him in order for this thing to kind of get back the momentum that it needs for for him to move forward because you know I'm assuming he's going to get a couple more years you know every, assuming everything's back on track but if you're not playing games and you can't even practice you're you're in the mud and Mike Hopkins the last place he needs to be right now is in the mud and unfortunately he doesn't have a choice and that's really bad for him there's nothing they could have done differently there's nothing they could have done differently. Yeah, but I mean, what I'm saying is that's that's it's bad luck, but that doesn't help him at all. No, it's, in uh, fact, it's it, it's working against him. Yeah. Hey Scott, wrapping this up. Final thoughts? Uh, you know, on football, basketball, or recruiting? Well, basketball. Um, I'm sad we haven't been able to see how much this team has progressed um, over the past, you know, two months or a month and a half of them playing. But uh, I'm looking forward to them getting back out on the court. Um, I'm not even really a huge basketball guy, but uh, I'm intrigued by how this team ends up by the end of the season. I don't know if they're going to be a tournament team or not, but uh, still want to see how they look and 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 what they look and and their their progress as a team. As far as recruiting, just stay tuned to the board, man. It's going to be a lot going on. I'm going to be talking to a lot of kids. Um, I'm going to be doing the, you know, getting to know you interviews and we're, we're going to have a ton of stuff next week, um, for you guys on the recruiting front. Even, even if Washington only signs, you know, four to six guys next week, um, we're still going to have a lot of stuff for you guys, a lot of red meat for you. And then, um, as far as the transfer portal, it stinks, it's sad, but it's just the reality of college football right now. And people are going to need to get used to it. And I need to get used to it because I don't like it, but I need to cover it. So I'm going to be covering as well as I can. Scoreboard check for Friday morning, Scott. Who's winning? You or the boys? Um, I am because I can send them to school. Talk to me. Is talk to me after next week because that's when all hell breaks loose and they're home for two and a half weeks. My so. money's still on the boys, but yeah. Oh, oh, always should be, even though one of them weighs like thirty pounds. So, <laughs> uh, Chris Fetters, football, basketball, recruiting. Final thoughts. Yeah, I just, I feel really, really bad for guys like Terrell Brown and, and Dejon Davis who, you know, came to the program and, and saw some of the games that were on this schedule like UCLA, like Gonzaga and not being able to play those games has got to be incredibly disappointing for them. So I feel, I feel really, really bad for them. And I really hope that, um, the team can kind of get things back on track and, and kind of if they can pull some of the momentum that they had gotten from that tournament in South Dakota back with them, that will be huge because they, they do play Seattle U. 
they do they do have a couple of non-conference games before they kick back into the conference schedule. So if they can use those games as a springboard to kind of get back to where they were, uh, that would be a real positive. As far as recruiting everything else, this is a great time if you're not a Washington fan, and I know you're gonna you're gonna pip it as well, Kim. But this is a this is an unbelievable time to join Dogman.com right now because there are so many things going on. We 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 we're still trying to figure out about all the recruits that that DeBoer and those guys are going to be uh you know interested in who they were trying to recruit while they were at Fresno. Uh guys that Courtney Morgan were in on for instance. You know, and again, look for the not don't look for the guys that have signed with schools. Look for the guys that have not signed their letters of intent yet. Look for the guys that are still open to potentially getting recruited, maybe taking an official visit to Washington in January for instance. Those types of things are going to be huge. And so now is the time to join up. And, um, you know, unfortunately, like Scott said, you know, the portal is, is, is a reality of what's going on right now. There are guys that are going to be joining it. Uh, but Washington can also really, really utilize it. And they've already offered at least one or two guys from the portal right now. So that's just another aspect of the recruiting thing that's going to be really, really, um, interesting to follow as we go forward. And again, we're less than a week till the sign till the beginning of the signing period um, should be very very exciting. It's funny how things shift on the site, you know, between the three of us because you know, and I'm usually don't talk about myself a lot like this, but I was all over the Jimmy Lake stuff and uh, the suspension and uh, him being let go, as well as the coaching hire. Then we shift over to the assistant coaches being named, and this is something that uh, you know Chris Fetters has been all over. And then we shift over onto the recruiting and Scott Eklund been all over this. So we're all doing our part on this. And if you're just looking for headlines, there's plenty of headlines out there. But if you really want to dive deep into, you know, what it means, you know, that's what the message boards are for. And usually before those headlines comes up, we're giving you a pretty good idea of what's happening. It's rare that we get caught off guard. So we're usually ahead of uh, what's going on news wise. So. Um, and it's all on the message board. You're not going to see it on the front page. But like Chris said, you know, with the promo, we're running with 50% off an annual subscription. And then in addition, if you're a monthly subscriber, you can go ahead and upgrade to that as well. It's going to be interesting. It's one of those times, Scott, where we go from, you know, we think everything is calm. And then you're going to take one of your kids to school. Fetter's going to go grab lunch. And I'm going to go see my 101-year-old mother who's going to be 101 next month. So we're all going to be scattered, and then a coach will be named. We'll get a decommit. We'll yep. get a commitment. You know, when we're scattered, things we go from zero to sixty this time of year, a couple of times a day. So it's crazy. So just keep it tuned in here at Dogman.com. So, anyways, appreciate all the hard work you guys are doing, and appreciate all of our subscribers. You guys have hung with us for a long time. So for all of us at Dogman.com, I'm Kim Reynolds along with Chris Fetters and Scott Eckland. Go dogs. 